0: I had no idea when I came up with this title for the sermon, inspired by the anthem you just heard from the choir. I had no idea there was a direct San Luis Obispo connection. David Robinson, our administrator, brought this to my attention at a staff meeting, assuming that I had heard the story. Apparently, the movie The Wizard of Oz, before the official release, had a final preview here in San Luis Obispo in 1939. There was considerable pressure by MGM executives in the course of the previews amidst the number of other cuts to completely remove the song over the rainbow. And they removed it for at least one of the previous previews, which were in Santa Barbara and Pomona, I think. As these executives thought, it slowed down the film and unduly lengthened the Kansas segment. (laughs) That its lyrics were over the head of most of the children who would see the film. And that it was undignified, and this is according to Judy Garland's remembrance years later, to have, quote, this little fat girl singing in a barnyard, unquote. The song was restored for the preview here, and producer Mervin Leroy is quoted as saying, I'll never forget our preview in San Luis Obispo, California, where the audience was in silence for almost a full minute at the end of the screening. That can mean the picture is very good or awfully bad. <laughs> then they broke into cheers. That is, of course, not all due to the song, but one can hardly imagine the movie now without it. Over the Rainbow went on to win an Academy Award, becoming a signature song for Judy Garland's entire career, covered countless times over the years by a wide variety of artists, showing up in a number of other movies and TV shows referred to in books and poems and articles, and becoming quite possibly one of the best-known songs of all time. So much for the wisdom of studio executives, right? (laughs) There's something about that song that resonates with many of us. It is a vision of beauty, comfort, peace, just beyond reach that nevertheless we can imagine. We can almost see. Additional opening lyrics which are not in the original film but are included In many of the subsequent recordings say, when all the world is a hopeless jumble and the raindrops tumble all around, heaven opens a magic lane. When all the clouds darken up the skyway, there's a rainbow highway to be found leading from your window pane to a place behind the sun, just a step beyond the rain. Who hasn't felt that the world is a hopeless jumble these days? Who hasn't felt the ugly, painful, cynical brutality displayed through the policies and practices of powerful people in a nation run off the rails? Who hasn't felt the bitterness of a regime that seeks to lead by manipulating our most dangerous instincts and tendencies, suspicion, anger, fear, greed, hatred, arrogance, dehumanizing, demeaning, dismissing, discarding, destroying all that is considered other. And yet we here, we think, we imagine, we believe that beyond all the division and discrimination and discord and distress, there is a rainbow highway to be found. We have the audacity to believe there is a place where justice rolls down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We think that it is possible to create a more perfect union. At our best, we dive into the difficult, messy, strenuous, complicated, taxing, sometimes dangerous, sometimes tedious, often thankless, always necessary, never fully finished work of building a land where we bind up the broken and the captives go free, where the oil of gladness dissolves all morning, a land that in our imagination can be if we put our efforts into building a new way. We imagine that there is more love, more peace, more joy, more justice, more equity, more understanding, more cooperation, more collaboration, more freedom, more compassion, more respect, more wisdom, more to see, more to hear, more to share, more of what we know is right and good and healthy and whole and nurturing. There is more somewhere. Where do we get such outlandish ideas? Who is to say there is more? How can we picture a place that has not yet been? What makes us think this is possible? Because let's be clear, the land we are speaking of has not yet been. We are not out to make America great again. We are out to make America be America, in the words of African-American poet Langston Hughes. Let America be America, he writes. Let America be the dream the dreamers dream. Let it be that great strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. It never was America to me. It never was America to me, he says. And if it never was America for Langston Hughes... If it is not now for black people, for people of color, then it never was America. For anyone. Why? Because we are caught in a network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Why? Because injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Why? Because we, the people, either means we, the people, in practice, or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, we have fallen short of the dream. See, the land we are speaking of is a land we have heard of. In the words of the Hebrew prophets, in the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven, in the call of Muhammad for social justice and community, in the face of increasing isolation and greed, in the teachings of the Buddha on compassion, in Native American stories and rituals, in Hindu teachings on the oneness of all, in the writings of philosophers and social theorists and humanist thinkers, in the words of labor leaders and civil rights leaders, in the practices of mystics and earth centers traditions, in the direct action of radicals and revolutionaries and compassionate acts of regular people, all with a vision of what could be, what can be. This is a land we have heard of, but it is not a land we can simply go to. It is a land that we, all of us, are called to create together. That is a lot of work. That calls for courage and commitment well past what is comfortable. That requires us to practice every day. And I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful and conscious, I tend to gravitate toward finding ways to avoid the work of change. And it is easier to do if I am not directly affected or inconvenienced or made to suffer by the way things are. Hello, my white siblings. And maybe more specifically, my white male hetero cisgender siblings. I find that I cannot completely rid myself of the vision of this land I have heard of, and in moments of my highest aspirations, I hope never to rid myself of this vision, but in my less admirable moments, I do sometimes seek to quiet its call. Seriously, when it just seems too hard, when it seems to require more of me than I have to give, when the chances of change seem distant? We as individuals and as a nation sometimes try to convince ourselves that the dream has already been realized. We bask in American exceptionalism and all the inspiring stories of those who have found that for them, living here, opportunity is real and life is free, which is a good thing. And we then try to convince ourselves when we hear the stories of those for whom America is not America, that if that opportunity doesn't exist for them right now, it certainly did somewhere in the past. And if it's been lost, it's mostly due to all the complainers, the resistors, the very people who suffer. It's because of them that we are not meeting the dream. That is basically the playbook for the current administration. I can probably say that I, as an individual, don't find myself going there very much. However, the other method of quieting the call for my commitment, shutting out the vision that requires my courageous participation, is to convince myself that not only has it not happened, it never can and it never will. It's a fantasy, I tell myself. It's an impossibility. It's a dream. It is a dream. African-American poet Langston Hughes believed in dreams. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. He dreamed a world where love will bless the earth and peace its paths adorn. He dreamed a world where all will know sweet freedom's way, where greed no longer saps the soul, nor avarice blights our day. Hold fast to dreams, he wrote, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Martin Luther King, Jr., of course, famously had a dream. Is it mine to call these dreams trivial, frivolous, unattainable because it requires something of me? Is it mine to cynically cast aside the efforts of millions of people over the ages toward a land that they have heard of? Is it mine to give up my part of the journey because I cannot find this land on any map that has yet been created? If lovely little bluebirds fly above the rainbow, why, oh, why can't I? Because I can't fly, I whine. (laughs) But Langston Hughes says if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly, which means that if we hold fast to dreams, life, yes, like a bird, can fly. I am open and I'm willing, for to be hopeless would seem so strange. It would dishonor those who come before us. So lift me up to the light of change, and it will require change. No doubt about it. My white sibling, we are in for some change, ready or not. We need people of color in power. We need to support with our resources and use our power to make that space available. We cannot see what we need to see. I cannot see what I need to see. I've been taught not to see, conditioned to not hear what needs to be heard. We have allowed for two, at least, separate worlds to exist, and it's time to tear down the walls. We need to relinquish control and comfort in favor of connection, And collaboration. We need to understand, truly understand our history, to realize that brutal subjugation and discrimination and the tenets of white supremacy were not peripheral to our history, but central to the growth, prosperity, and power of this nation. We need to realize that if the violence and vitriol of white supremacy is displayed these days in more flagrant ways than many of us are used to, it is only possible because those attitudes and beliefs and creeds have been here all along, politely ignored or dismissed or dressed up in euphemism and code for a larger audience, but never challenged at the heart. We as a country need to stop congratulating ourselves for ending slavery. Ending slavery is not a cause for celebration. It calls for confession and reparation and reconciliation, none of which has happened yet. We need to tell our history in all honesty so that we may open ourselves to the possibilities that lie ahead. Nothing that we do is more important than making justice real here where we are. Hard as diversity is, it is our most important task says Unitarian Universalist minister and president of Star King School for the Ministry, Rosemary Bray McNabb. One must never in one's own life accept injustices as commonplace, but must fight them with all one's strength, writes James Baldwin. This fight, however, begins in the heart. So we must keep our own hearts free of hatred and despair, free of despair. We must, in other words, dare to dream. Philosopher Mark Johnson writes, our moral reasoning is basically an imaginative activity because it requires imagination to discern what is morally relevant in situations to understand empathetically how others experience things, and to envision the full range of possibilities open to us in a particular case. So yes, it can feel like the world is a hopeless jumble. There is hurting in our families, there's sorrow in our towns. There's panic in the nation. There is wailing the whole world round. But also, also, listen, there's a land that I heard of.